Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast on State False Claims Acts. This is Dan Mahalan, and with me is my partner, Henry Cassell. For the next few minutes, we want to talk about some very recent developments from the Office of Inspector General of HHS in terms of reviewing False Claims Acts at the state level, in terms of whether they comply with some federal rules and also whether states might be entitled to an extra incentive if there's a settlement or a judgment imposed uh, in a case where the state uh, is a party. So, Henry, maybe you could set the table and talk about the background as about these State False Claims Acts and how it interfaces with the feds, and then we could talk about some of the very recent things from the OIG. Thanks, Dan. We find of greatest concern is the fact that the OIG from time to time will publish an announcement saying that under Section 1909 of the Social Security Act, the OIG will review the state's False Claims Act and make a determination as to whether the state will qualify for a 10 percentage point increase in any share of the amount of a False Claims Act settlement. In order to qualify for that 10% kicker, the State False Claims Act has to establish liability to the state with regard to Medicaid claims, have a QTAM relator provision that's at least as generous as the federal government provisions under the False Claims Act, contain a provision to allow for the filing of a claim under seal, but most importantly, that the penalties that the state will impose under a state False Claims Act for violation of of the False Claims Act with regard to Medicaid claims is at least the same as the penalties that can be imposed under the federal False Claims Act. And Henry, this isn't something new. This goes back to, I think, 2004-2005 with the Deficit Reduction Act, correct? Correct. Every five, six years. And and the last significant review seemed to be in 2011, where states actually wrote to the OIG and say, look at our False Claims Act, our State False Claims Act with regard to Medicaid claim. And do we qualify for this 10% bonus. And it seemed that they did it in 2011. They appeared to do it again in 2016. And then just last week, they published another notice that if you're a state and you went to OIG to review your False Claims Act, they're essentially inviting you, the state, to send your law to the OIG and we'll make a determination. Yeah. And the states aren't required to have a False Claims Act. In fact, a number of states still do not. But this Deficit Reduction Act provision enabled the states to adopt one. And what happens when a False Claims Act involving Medicaid funding uh, is settled or uh, judgments imposed, the state and the federal government share in the recovery in accordance with the proportionate federal share of Medicaid funding in that state. So if the federal share of Medicaid funding is 55%, state is 45%, that's how they split the uh, recovery under a False Claims Act case. What this law says is that if the state adopts, it doesn't have to because the federal government still can't make the states do what it wants to do, but if the state has a False Claims Act and if it meets all of the requirements in the law and basically mirrors the federal False Claims Act, then the state gets an extra 10% out of the uh, recovery, really at the expense of the feds, because then the feds get a lesser share. So that was the carrot, if you will, no stick involved to have the states adopt false claims acts of their own. One of the reasons why that's important if you defend false claims act cases like we do is that relators attorneys will oftentimes allege violations of state as well as federal false claims acts as a way of getting possibly additional attorney's fees. 
that are provided for under the state law in addition to or on top of whatever they may recover under the federal law, which has a fee uh, shifting provision that says the attorney can recover the time and the hourly rate that the attorney had spent on the case from the uh, defendant, even in a settlement, over and above whatever contingency fee the um, relator's attorney may have. So this is very beneficial to a plaintiff's attorneys. And in fact, some plaintiff's attorneys have lobbied municipalities, like cities and counties, to adopt their own False Claims Acts so that they could then get an additional bite at the attorney fee apple through those local False Claims Acts. They don't happen a lot of times, but there have been some municipalities who have done them. But getting back to this, the feds are very particular about what the State False Claims Act says in order for the state to get the 10% bump in the proceeds or recovery from a False Claims Act settlement. And that's where, Henry, you said that the OIG has been paying some very recent attention to it and saying there's been changes in the federal law, so states, you better move to make sure your False Claims Acts comply with the current federal legislation. That's right, Dan. And again, not every state has a state False Claims Act. And to the extent that they do, they don't all qualify for this 10% bonus. For example, the OIG listed a link to their opinions with regard to the states that have asked for an opinion as to whether or not their state False Claims Act qualifies for this 10% bonus. So far, there have been 29 states who have asked the OIG, and the OIG has, in 20 of those 29 cases, said, yes, you comply. However, in nine of those cases, they actually said, no, your law is more restrictive than the federal law. Therefore, you don't qualify for the bonus. And and it's interesting because a lot of the initial letters were in 2011. And Florida, for example, in 2011 had a number of issues as to why the state law was much more restrictive than the federal law. Apparently, Florida then amended its state law to address the issues that were raised in the OIG's 2011 letter. But then, and so they wrote back in 2016 and says, do we qualify now? And the OIG said, well, you know what? You seem to have addressed a lot of the other issues, but you still have restrictions with regard to the relators that are more restrictive than the federal law. So you still don't qualify. But Florida can then look and decide whether or not they want to amend their State False Claims Act to address the limitation that the OIGs identified. And that's what most states seem to have done, is they have taken the OIGs' criticism to heart and then amended their law, which is bad news for providers because in every one of these instances, they have either increased the penalties or increased the rights granted to QTAM relators in order for the state law to be consistent with the federal law. Yeah, and given that the Affordable Care Act made some significant changes in the Federal False Claims Act, the Fraud Enforcement and Recovery Act in 2009 did as well, that uh, the states are necessarily playing catch-up with the feds in terms of making sure their False Claims Act complies with all of the requirements. Now, when you look at the letters, and again, as Henry said, if you go on the OIG's website, just look at State False Claims Act reviews, you'll come right to the page we're talking about. The letters go all over the board in terms of why some of these nine states didn't qualify. For instance, in any case where the feds say to the state, your law doesn't meet all these requirements so that you're going to have to amend it, they give them a two-year grace period. 
And in this very recent announcement, they told all the states, you basically have two years of grace to comply with current federal legislation, at least as it uh, exists now, but also as it might be changed in the future. Some of them just didn't meet the two-year grace uh, period. They got turned on. Hawaii and Minnesota are examples of that. Second, a number of the states didn't qualify because they didn't increase the penalties to match the enhanced penalties that now are available under the Federal False Claims Act. And then third, and this is sort of the generic uh, reason why the OIG disapproved a number of the states, is they didn't contain a provision that was at least as effective in rewarding and facilitating key TAM actions. For example, New Mexico didn't have an exception for a relator who's an original source. New Jersey didn't provide relators with the same kind of protection from retaliatory action as the feds and also had a narrower definition of who would be considered an original source. They also placed limits in New Jersey on who was able to bring the uh, claim and whether or not claims would relate back to the time that the matter was first filed as opposed to when the state might choose to get involved in the action. And Louisiana said that actions by the attorney general or an original source were only applicable if the transactions were disclosed to the media. So there were some differences in the state law from the federal law. And the OIG said, hey, if you're different, you don't comply in these three key areas, you're not going to get the extra 10% share. But as Henry said, 20 of the 29 got approved. California just got approved on January 25, 2019. So uh, Rhode Island was the same way. So they've kept up to date. But states can't just snap a finger and amend their law. Obviously, they got to go back to the legislature. Uh, it has to get on the legislative calendar. The attorney general, or whoever is enforcing the False Claims Act, has to tell the legislature why it's important, and it goes through the process. So two-year grace period might not be enough time for a lot of states to comply, especially those states that have very limited legislative sessions as opposed to a legislature always being in session. But what's really frightening about this process is the OIG is essentially going to the states and saying, we'll give you more money if a False Claims Act case is brought involving Medicaid claims. If you, A, increase your penalty, up until 2016, the penalties under the False Claims Act used to be $5,500 to $11,000 per claim. Then on August 1st, that was increased to $10,761 to 21,563. So they almost doubled the range. Those potential penalties increase every year on August 1st. So that the amount at issue, should a False Claims Act case be brought involving a Medicaid claim is increased, and the rights that have been granted to KETAM relators have been broadened. They need to be as broad under the state law as they are under the federal law, which again increases the potential number of relators who could potentially bring a False Claims Act case. So the, again, the most frightening thing about these changes are they increase the penalties, they increase the pool of KETAM relators, they increase the likelihood of a KETAM case involving a Medicaid claim. And if they don't comply with the federal law, the feds say, sorry, you're not getting the extra 10%. So a cynic could say that the, if the feds constantly change the rule and move the ball forward, the states aren't going to be able to catch up and they don't get that extra 10% share. Regardless, we thought it was interesting and thought we wanted to call it to your attention because this is going to be a bigger and bigger area that hospitals have to concern themselves about, false claims in general. And when you have states piling on 
with the federal government and a relator, it becomes all the more complicated to defend one of those cases. So take a look at it. Again, it's the OIG's website, uh, oig.hhs.gov, State False Claims Act Reviews. Uh, You'll learn all about it. But hopefully this will help you get a handle on where the feds and the state may be going in False Claims Act enforcement. And thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And again, include Medicaid under your compliance program because the states are being incentivized to look at Medicaid claims and key tamer relators are being incentivized to bring False Claims Act cases based on state Medicaid claims. Thanks very much, folks.